climate change, poverty, mental health, young people and adults face a world of constant change. It's the connections we make, innovations and education that come together to help us make a difference. Welcome to the power of young people to change the world. In this program, we bring together leaders that share stories designed to inspire you to serve, learn and change the world. Now, here's your host, Amy Muirs. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to The Power of Young People to Change the World. I'm your host, Amy Muirs. I'm here every Thursday on Voice America Empowerment Radio, where together we explore how young people are using their ideas, creativity, and passion to shape a better world, and how educators can utilize the power of service learning to redesign education. You know, this week's show is part one of a two-part series where we are not only going to celebrate, but have the opportunity to learn from a few of the 2021 Gloria Barron Prize for Young Heroes Award recipients. So today, um, we're lucky enough to have um, Barbara Ann Richmond, who helped launch the Barron Prize in 2001 and is serving as the executive director um, We're so happy that she's joining us today. And with her is Alexandra Collins and Olivia Seltzer. So Alexandra co-founded Students Against Ethanol Oxide, say that five times really fast. It's a nonprofit that engages youth in fighting to ban the carcinogens gas ETO near schools and residential areas. And then we also have Olivia, who created the CRAM a daily digital newsletter that summarizes the news for Gen Z. So thank you guys so much for being on the show today. We are going to dive into some questions. Um, And right off the bat, I just would love to learn a little bit more about each of you. So Barbara Ann, can you introduce yourself to our listeners? Sure. Thanks, Amy, so much for having uh, us on today and for the great work that you you do and for this, this show. Um, as you mentioned, I am the executive director of the Gloria Barron Prize for Young Heroes. I've loved doing that work for, yes, just over 20 years now. Mm-hmm. Um, in my earlier days, I taught elementary school in the Boston area, and I led educational programming at a nature center, and I've developed lots of curriculum for a number of environmental organizations. And today I get to live in the mountains of Colorado with my family, and um, we love being outdoors, paddleboarding and hiking and camping and skiing, um, just doing what we can um, out outside and uh, in this beautiful spot. Thanks again for having me. Absolutely. I'm jealous that <laughs> Colorado is one of my favorite states, so we'll just we'll bond over that. There you go. <laughs> Olivia, would you would you introduce yourself to our listeners? Hi, my name is Olivia. I'm I live in Santa Barbara, California, and I am currently a senior at Santa Barbara High School. I'm actually right now going to graduate one semester early in January, which is so exciting for me. Um, and once I graduate, I'm very excited to be able to promote my book. Since I um, have loved writing my whole life, that's really all roads in my life lead back to writing and trying to write to better the world. So that's really everything going on with me right now. I also really love hiking and going to the beach. I, um, like Barbara Ann, live in a really beautiful community where I'm very fortunate to be able to be outdoors a lot. That's amazing. 
Do we get to know what the book is about? Oh, yeah. It's called Cram This Book. You can actually pre it right now. Just a little self-promo there. <laughs> That's perfect. Um, it basically gives the background to the um, modern history that shaped the world as it is today. So people who, my age who haven't necessarily lived through those events or learned about those events yet um, can, can do that in a language and in a platform that speaks to them. Just a little undertaking. <laughs> Alexandra, could you introduce yourself to our listeners? Yeah, of course. Um, hello, everyone. My name is Alexandra Collins. I am 17 years old, and I'm from the suburbs of Chicago, Illinois. Um, I am also a senior in high school. Um, and in my free time, I really enjoy sewing. Um, that's sort of a nice. more recent hobby of mine that I've undertaken. Um, and I also really enjoy science. Um, I've done research with NASA as well as Fermilab. So I found that, you know, the, research is something that is really important to me because I'm someone who appreciates data and how data connects to our everyday experiences. And so I, I really enjoy doing that in my free time. <laughs> I love that you do data in your free time. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, Barbara Ann, two amazing um, 2021 winners. Um, I would love for you to share a little bit about the Barron Prize for Young Heroes and kind of how this, um, what is it and um, what does it take for these young, young leaders to win this honor? Sure, of course. So the Barron Prize is a nonprofit award that celebrates young people ages eight to 18 who are helping their communities or the planet in a significant way. Our winners are working to address issues like hunger, climate change, illiteracy, plastic pollution, um, and, and on and on, really, in a wonderful way. Our mission is to shine the spotlight on these heroic young people so that their work and their goodness, really, will inspire others. We honor 25 young people each year, and our top 10 winners each receive $10,000 to support either their service work or their own education. And to be honored, students need to be currently leading a project that's having a measurable positive impact on the world. And they also need to be demonstrating through their work, heroic character qualities like compassion and determination and courage. It's those qualities, um, especially to be honest, that we really um, look to honor in young people um, and, and to serve as a reminder to all of us that we all do harbor a hero within and we all really can act in ways that make a difference. I love that. Um, we all need that reminder. And these young people definitely demonstrate all of those qualities. I'm wondering if you can give us a little history of the prize. Like, when did it start? Um, obviously, you know, you were instrumental in in making this reality like what was your inspiration for it sure well I'll, I'll start um with the inspiration uh give credit where it's due it, it came from um author t.a Barron, um like you mentioned back in 2001 really as an extension of sorts of the fictional heroes that he creates in his books for young people so back in the early 2000s, he was traveling the country as he does, talking with students in communities about his books, about writing, about the power of heroic characters and the fictional ones he creates. And 
he was struck when he heard from a few kids that said things like, well, that's just the stuff of fiction and fairy tales. Real people, real heroes can't possibly act with so much courage or compassion or can't really do such great things and, and especially can't change the world. And and that cynicism really, um, you know, like I said, struck a, a chord with him. And he felt, not surprisingly, very differently um, about young people and about um, our potential, um, you know, no matter our age in life. And he um, really wanted to create a way to hold up real life examples of young people to remind uh, young leaders like the ones he'd, he'd heard from um, and to remind all of us that, um, you know, we really can act in ways that are heroic um, in our everyday life. So he resolved to find examples of those sorts of young people. And that, that was the beginning of the prize. He named it for his mother, Gloria Barron. She was a, a quiet hero in his life who was a teacher and she'd founded a, a really neat touch museum at the Colorado School for the Deaf and the Blind. And that museum, which I had the, the joy really of visiting a, a time or two way back, um, was full of things like a polar bear's pelt or a, a hawk's wing, things that kids at the school could touch and experience the natural world that way. Um, and so here we are 21 years later, and the prize has honored more than 500 young people who very much do demonstrate that um, real life people really can make a difference. And um, we love that they uh, are doing the work they do in the world and that they also serve as, as such a powerful example for the rest of us. That's an amazing story. And it's so important that young people's voices are heard, that they get, they get to hear that they are that other young people are making a change in the world, and that's really why we have this show as well. So I'm so excited that we have just we're going to be able to meet. We have the two young people today, um, and we'll have another show with um, a few more of the w- winners on. But can you kind of tell us about the winners um, from this year? Certainly. We, we chuckle and say every year, oh, my goodness, you know, I, I look do. at this crop. Yep. And then the next year we say, no, oh, my goodness, look at this crop. So um, yep, I love keep, that. they keep, you know, moving the bar up and up and up. Um, but they really are an incredible group. This year's uh, 25 Young Heroes. And they're wonderfully diverse in terms of their backgrounds and their passions and the ways they're making a difference. Um, they've done everything from starting food rescue programs and literacy projects to coming up with novel ways to clean up the ocean and and help us all reduce our reliance on plastics. They've invented new technologies that are helping other people, including um, people who are deaf or who are uh, living with a disability. They're all ages, ages 8 to 18, from all across the U.S. and Canada. And yet, as diverse as they are, um, they really all have figured out how to take what they're passionate about. And that could be writing, it could be artificial intelligence, it could be sewing, um, it could be drawing. They've taken what it is they love and that they're cultivating in their own life and they figured out how to use it for the greater good. So in that way, um, diverse as they are, they really are a unified 
group um, around the work they're doing and again around the qualities that they stand for and demonstrate so beautifully. That's beautiful. I love um, I love how you how you connected it to the greater good because I think that's part of the discussion that just doesn't happen that often um, in recent uh, years. And it's amazing. Yeah, every single year, um, it seems like young people get smarter and are able to tackle um, issues and put their passion to work. And so, yeah, every single year, it's like, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. And this crop is definitely like every young young person I meet. I'm just like, you guys are so much smarter than me. (laughs) It's humbling. Absolutely. Yep. Here, take it. Go. Um, So we're going to take a brief pause. Um, And then when we return, we're going to continue our conversation with Barbara Ann. We're going to hear from Olivia and Alexandra. So stay with us on the power of young people to change the world. Voice America Empowerment Radio. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at Voice America TRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN. For nearly 40 years, the Minnesota-based National Youth Leadership Council has worked globally to transform classrooms, empower teachers, and captivate students by leading the way in providing high-quality, dynamic service learning content to school districts, classrooms, after-school programs, and everything in between. NYLC accelerates student achievement by strengthening academic, civic, and character outcomes through service learning. They tap into the passion, creativity, and ingenuity of all young people to make meaningful change happen. NYLC offers a variety of paths to reach service learning excellence through membership, its annual spring national service learning conference, customized professional development, tools, resources, and soon to be released, Getting Started in Service Learning, a book designed for teachers ready to lead the way to address real world issues with all young people, inspiring them to serve, learn, change the world. Visit nylc.org to learn more today. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com listening to the power of young people to change the world with amy muirs to find out more about amy and the national youth leadership council please visit nylc.org now back to the show so welcome back everyone um i am so excited i'm and just feel honored that um i'm joined by two of the 2021 recipients of the gloria baron prize for young heroes olivia and alexandra again thank you guys so much for being here on the show today um olivia i want to just jump right in i'm really excited about the cram so could you tell us about it kind of what it is how did it get started absolutely yeah so the cram is basically a daily news media organization for gen z And I think to really understand what it is and why I'm so passionate about it, I kind of need to go back to the start. So in after the 2016 U.S. presidential election, I noticed that all anyone at my junior high school could talk about was the news and politics. Uh, The majority of the students out of that school are Latinx, and many of their parents are undocumented immigrants, like my grandfather was. So there was this sudden realization that what was going on in our government 
was really impacting us on a very personal level. And it was kind of a political awakening for a lot of us. But I also realized that at the same time, nobody I knew was actually reading or watching the news because it's primarily written by and geared towards an older demographic. And it unfortunately really just wasn't connecting to us. And I saw this as a huge problem because to put it very simply, you can't change the world unless you know about it, which Mm -hmm. again, sounds very simple and a basic concept, but it's true. If you don't know about something going on in the world, there's really nothing you can do to try to make an impact. So um, I've always loved writing. So like I mentioned before, so I was like, okay, why don't I try to create the solution? So in February, 2017, I started waking up every morning at 5 a.m. to read the news, curate relevant stories, and then rewrite them in a way that totally speaks to my generation and then send it out in an email newsletter, text message, social media posts, IGTV video, TikTok, podcasts, basically every, every medium out there that Gen Z is on and pays attention to. Um, I'm really just so committed to wanting to reach my generation where we're at and make sure that we are getting that that crucial information so we have the power to participate in the making of our future. There is so much there and it's so exciting. I love, um, you know, you said it's simple, but it's also extremely profound. If you don't know about it, you can't, you're not going to do anything about it. Um, yeah, that's, <laughs> it's, exciting and amazing and also way to take your passion and just like um, Barbara Ann talked about, you know, turn that passion into um, real action that is changing the world. Um, Speaking of changing the world, Alexandra, so you co-founded the nonprofit Students Against Ethanol Oxide. Um, You have to, ethylene oxide, sorry. (laughs) Um, Tell us about that. Like, what was your inspiration? Of course. Um, So in 2018, um, I started Students Against Ethylene Oxide. Um, We call it SATO for short. Um, And Students Against Ethylene Oxide is a not-for-profit that um, fights to empower um, young people in order to encourage uh, a ban on the class one carcinogen ethylene oxide um, emissions near schools. And I started this organization with my sister, Catherine, um, because back in 2018, we found out that ethylene oxide was being emitted within my own community. Mm -hmm. Um, And because of this, we had a cancer rate more than nine times the national average. And so, of course, I was very surprised when I found out this information. I didn't know anything about ethylene oxide. It was just some unknown chemical to me. But um, once I started looking more into it and digging into different research articles, as well as some of the news articles that were coming out at the time, um, I realized that ethylene oxide is a gas that is incredibly harmful towards to the um, to to humans and specifically teenagers since our bodies are still developing um we're more susceptible to different environmental factors like ethylene oxide um and so it was really important to me that students wouldn't have to be exposed to ethylene oxide while while attending school and um participating in school activities and even just living within residential communities where ethylene oxide is emitted um so my sister and i help start uh, SATO in order to fight to ban those emissions. <laughs> That's amazing. And 
Um, and also, you know, you step back and you're like, it's crazy that 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 was happening. Well, that it happened, you know, just period, but also like right by your school as well. And so just to think about, like to stop and think about that. Um, I think your data side must have played a nice part in the founding of this um, um, nonprofit as well. <laughs> um, Olivia, I was hoping that you could talk a little bit about your experience translating the news for your generation. Can you expand a little on that? Yeah, of course. I think a lot of times when people who are not my generation try to make something that is targeted towards my generation. It goes one of two ways. Either they really dumb it down and it's, they speak as if they're speaking to someone who's 10 years younger than us and not someone who is already almost an adult um, and already almost able to vote. Um, or they go totally the other way and try to use like a lot of slang that, that nobody uses anymore. Like that you could tell they just looked up like what slang does Gen Z use? And then they like throw that all in there. So then it's sort of like, it feels a little obvious what they're trying to do. And either way, it feels a little bit condescending and like we're being spoken down to. So what I try to do is I try to make it very conversational and very natural. I try to to really make it seem like it's as if you're reading something that's just like a text your friend sent you telling you about what's going on with the news or when you're listening to the podcast or the IGTV video that's like you're FaceTiming or listening to someone on the phone explain a news event to you. And I always make sure to kind of take those extra steps of considering what my generation does or doesn't know um, when it comes to political events or political terms, because there are many that I've had to look up even now after, mm -hmm. after spending five years doing this. So I always make sure to go and define those. So it's extra clear what's going on. Because that's also another barrier I've noticed in reading the news is that they're coming in with this assumption that you're someone of an older, you're part of an older demographic who does already have pre-existing knowledge of certain events. Um, and then again, like I mentioned before, a lot of it is also making sure to meet my generation where we're at when it comes to the actual medium that it's being presented. We don't read, we don't read newspapers. We don't really watch things <laughs> on TV. We yep. spend a lot of time on our phones. So that's, uh, I try to look at all the platforms that uh, teens and young adults are really active on and the, the ways that they get their information, whether it's a quick format here or a bit of a longer format here or, or all those things like that. Um, and really adapt the cram so that it fits whatever it is that people that people are looking for and wherever people want to get their news. That's amazing. Um, I honestly, I'm just in awe of the fact that you're able to like all of the places that you're putting the news and how you make that happen is kind of mind boggling for me. Um, <laughs> I want to circle back um, to Alexandra and just um, ask if um, you want to share a little bit more about, um, about students against ethylene oxide and, and how, how you, how you work as a youth group um, young of young leaders, how, how you're, um, how the activism is incorporated into that. Yeah, of course. Um, so like Olivia was saying, something that I've found throughout my activist work is a lot of times um, taking action is not targeted towards, it's not inclusive for everyone, um, whether it's gender, whether it's age, whether it's racial background, whether it's ethnic background. Um, it's something that 
a lot of the times it's not inclusive. And that's something that we as a group, Sato, has have really tried to to bring that inclusivity, to bring that positive energy into our activist work by um, making our every single like step that we take, making it sure that we're trying to think about how other people will be able to access um, our own um, our work. So, for example, we're an educational um, not-for-profit. So, a lot of the times we put out information about ethylene oxide, about its health effects, about um, emissions within communities across the United States. And more recently, we've started putting information about out about products that do not use ethylene oxide as part of their um, production process because ethylene oxide is a sterilizer. So while putting out this information, we really try to be inclusive. Um, we've been putting out this information in different languages. I'm expanding from English to also Spanish um, to Haitian Creole. And um, for me, this is really important as a Latina. I've seen firsthand my neighbors, um, my family not being able to understand information that helps us create change within our communities simply because the information is not is accessible to them. And so, um, like Olivia was saying before, I think it's really important that um, when approaching situations to to um, work against a challenge or to become an environmental activist, that we try to be inclusive and that we look at, at different perspectives um, and sort of all come together as a community um, in order to fight um, for whatever cause we're trying to fight for. That is so important, um, you know, really thinking about the communities that you're serving and working with them and how you engage them. Um, yeah, you're both um, providing information and how that's how that's absorbed and used. I'm curious, Olivia, if you want, if you could speak a little bit to how your work with the CRAM has really changed you and what you've learned about yourself through through the creation of this work. Yeah, my whole life, I have been very shy, socially anxious, for sure, and introverted. Um, Talking to people like friends, strangers, anyone, like that was always a struggle for me. It's something that like, I would lie awake at night over like this would have freaked me out. (laughs) And like my heart would have been pounding. Um, So I'd always wanted to get involved in the world, but I didn't really know how because everyone I saw who was making a difference, it was like they were going out and leading protests and marches and and giving speeches, which was incredible. I was so inspired by that, but I felt like there wasn't space for me to do the same thing. That was just so daunting for me. So when I started the cram, that felt very comfortable for me to be like writing alone in my room at 5 a.m. in the dark. (laughs) But eventually over time, I realized that nobody was ever going to find out about it if I didn't actually put myself out there, um, do things like this, start speaking to people about the cram um, and advocating for it. So slowly over time, I began having to take steps further and further outside my comfort zone, uh, beginning with calling out uh, Elaine Welteroth's name at the Teen Vogue Summit in 2017. Um, she's the editor-in-chief at the time, and actually getting her to sign up right then and there, or going on the Today, on the Today Show a couple of years ago in front of like 3 million people, and it was live, and that was so scary for me. But then I got <laughs> there, and then, and then speaking at NATO Engages after Prime Minister Justin Trudeau in front of 1,600 world leaders about... Um, my generation and and how we, we need world leaders to support us and work with us to try to change the world. So taking all of these steps helped me really 
um, get past my social anxiety and become a more outgoing person who is a lot more confident in speaking and doing certain things like this. So it has definitely changed me as a person and I'm really grateful for that. That's amazing. Um, we talked before the show started, we both have that um, that desire for to be an introvert, to stay that introvert yeah. space, but um, talk about pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. Those are some amazing experiences. So <laughs> that's, that's phenomenal. We do have to take another quick break. So um, when we come back, we'll continue our conversation with today's guest. So stay with me, Amy Muir's on the power of young people to change the world voice American Parliament radio. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. For nearly 40 years, the Minnesota-based National Youth Leadership Council has worked globally to transform classrooms, empower teachers, and captivate students by leading the way in providing high-quality, dynamic service learning content to school districts, classrooms, after-school programs, and everything in between. NYLC accelerates student achievement by strengthening academic, civic, and character outcomes through service learning. They tap into the passion, creativity, and ingenuity of all young people to make meaningful change happen. NYLC offers a variety of paths to reach service learning excellence through membership, its annual spring national service learning conference, customized professional development, tools, resources, and soon to be released, Getting Started in Service Learning, a book designed for teachers ready to lead the way to address real-world issues with all young people, inspiring them to serve, learn, change the world. Visit nylc.org to learn more today. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to The Power of Young People to Change the World with Amy Muirs. To find out more about Amy and the National Youth Leadership Council, please visit nylc.org. Now back to the show. So welcome back, everyone. Um, If you're just joining us, I'm here today with um, two of the 2021 Gloria Barron Prize for Young Heroes Award winners, as well as the executive director, Barbara Ann. Um, Barbara Ann, I want to just jump back in. um, Looking back over the years, um, starting, you know, was it 2001 to now, I'm really curious about what's different from today's young heroes and kind of what, what's the constant themes? What's kind of remained the same since, since you started um, giving this honor? Sure, Amy, I have fun reflecting on that myself. Um, and I, and I point to two primary differences to start um, one, and it, it's no surprise probably, um, but the, the technology piece is huge. Mm-hmm. It's almost hard to imagine, certainly, um, say, for Olivia and Alexandra, and, and even for maybe you to remember, Amy, um, I might be the most senior in ages here, let's just say it. But all to say, back when we started, um, websites were brand new and social media didn't exist. And and as we've clicked along over these past couple of decades, and those things have, of course, um, not just become more mainstream, but become largely the way we communicate and operate. The the kids that have grown up with that 
um, are beautiful examples of how to use it, again, for good. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that's not always the case with certain technologies, but um, our our winners and honorees um, really stand out, in my opinion, um, as how we can use social media, use messaging platforms. Um, Olivia is a beautiful example of that, using um, literally every technology out there practically, or at least every platform, um, to deliver her cram um, as a way to inspire action and and um, enable young people um, to take action. So that that piece, um, using technology to grow their projects, to further their mission and their reach, um, just um, is is a bit mind blowing for someone who didn't grow up with technology, and is hugely heartening to see them use these things um, in such a positive way. A second one is we've also seen um, sort of a blurring of the line between what we sometimes um, just on our end call either a humanitarian project or one that's environmental. And and back in the day, projects generally tended to fall pretty distinctly into either one of those buckets. And now we're seeing, of course, um, wonderfully rich and sort of layered projects, for instance, a food rescue one where, of course, we're keeping excess food out of the landfill at the same time we're providing, um, you know, food to people who could certainly use it and are in need of it. Another example would be we've honored young people for inventions like solar-powered lanterns or um, novel and simple filtration, water filtration systems that can help people in developing countries in a way that's sustainable and um, certainly doesn't impact the environment in any negative way. Um, So those are a couple of the big differences we've seen over the years. Um, The the sameness um, is is that these young people are humble. Um, They continue to be delightful to know. They are generous of spirit and certainly generous with their time and in, in speaking with the media on, on behalf of the Barron Prize and their own work to really stand as examples of what it means to use um, one's self, one's interests, pushing oneself past uh, their comfort zones, as you've talked about sometimes, all in the name of trying to do their part to better the world. So um, that continues to be the thread through all this that is is so inspiring and um, and uh, powerful for not just us here at the Barron Prize, but I, I know many, many other people um, who follow and appreciate their work. Absolutely. Absolutely. Speaking of their work, Alexandra, I'm wondering if you can... Um, dig in a little bit about how you're engaging other young people with um, SEO. Did I say it correctly? The acronym? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Um, So Students Against Ethylene Oxide um, really tries to engage young people and focus on um, the aspect of ethylene oxide emissions that affects us most. Um, And so our main goal is to stop ethylene oxide emissions um, so that students aren't put at health um, risk by being exposed to the gas. Um, but one, one way to do this is to fight for stronger legislation, which is something that we've been doing um, since 
I first learned about um, what ethylene oxide was and first started fighting against emissions. Um, and we do this through a concerted effort of letter writing campaigns um, to different government officials, as well as in-school educational presentations, government lobbying, protest, and other ways of community organizing through different platforms like social media, as well as technologies like our, our website, um, which is www.sado.org. Um, and we found that this combination of advocacy has really helped fight for the stronger legislation and brought a lot um, more awareness to the ethylene oxide issue and the danger that it poses to many communities across the United States and even across the, the world. Um, but we also recognize that legislation is an incredibly slow process, um, very molasses slow. And because of this, we've also tried to approach activism in a new direction um, while continuing to fight for legislation through these, um, these protests, these um, presentations and other, other forms. Um, we've also tried to tackle it in a more immediate way. Um, like I mentioned before, we we did this through fighting to stem the demand for ethylene oxide. Um, so we we call this our our Sato sponsored <laughs> initiative per se. It's called ETO Free, and it was started in 2020 by a group of all girls, um, and we fight for product um, labeling transparency um, in regards to ethylene oxide. And so we review different beauty products that are popular within the teen community that do not use ethylene oxide as part of their production process. And we found that this is a way for teens to make an impact, not only teens, but people um, at large to make an impact within their own communities on a more individual basis. Um, we find that purchases, the purchasing power and the dollar vote has really, really um, big impact on the amount of ethylene oxide that's emitted within these communities that are affected. And so it's really important that we can make individual steps by buying a product that doesn't contribute to the ethylene oxide um, issue in order to decrease the amount of emissions within these communities. And so that's been really, really um, cool to see. Um, we've sort of come together as this group of um, for unexperienced coders per se. And we built this website to put these reviews on, which was really, really fun because we've learned, um, we've learned coding, different coding <laughs> languages such as um, HTML, um, CSS and JavaScript, which is website development um, coding languages. And so it's, it's been a really big journey for all of us um, with part of Sato, but it's also been really rewarding because we found we can make an impact just by what we decide to buy at the, at the grocery store or at the, um, the local convenience store. And it's, it's been really cool. <laughs> that's amazing. I mean, that's knowledge we should all be empowered with, right? Like we should all have be looking at what you've created and informing our decisions. We need, we need to be smarter consumers and you're helping everyone be a smarter consumer. Um, and saving lives while doing it. So that's, that's phenomenal. Um, I, I have a, a question for Olivia and, you know, I was, when I was uh, thinking about 
your work at the cram and also reflecting on, you know, this is this, you know, this time of fake news and truth in media. And I'm wondering how how you're ensuring accuracy in the news that you're re-reporting and how you're reporting it. And if you would just talk a little bit about that. Yeah, for sure. I definitely think that it's a really important question to ask, especially because the more that I've read the news and and taken it into my life and, and made it a part of my life, the more I've been able to recognize the little biases that most people don't talk about. Most people see biases as um, like, I love Biden. I hate Biden. I love Trump. I hate Trump. Like just like very straightforward things like that. But I've noticed that actually one of the biggest examples of bias that I've seen in media is the kinds of stories that are being reported, the frequency mm-hmm. with which stories about a certain person or event are being reported, certain things like that. Uh, So a big way I try to combat that is I read basically every news outlet out there, reputable news outlet out there. Um, I read opposite ends of the spectrum from Fox News to CNN. I read New York Times, AP, Reuters, BBC, The Guardian, Politico, everything. (laughs) ABC News, NBC News, I could go on forever. Um, And then we also have an editorial team made up of um, dozens of young people from all over the world. And what they do on a daily basis is they send in news stories from their respective communities. um, So from local media and things like that, that they think should get international attention and that they think should be highlighted in the cram. Um, So that really allows me to kind of broaden my perspective because there's there's the perspective and and the inherent bias I have. Um, with my nationality and gender and ethnicity and religion and all of that. Um, so I really want to make sure that I'm being representative of just how diverse Gen Z is, um, how we live all over the world and are connected to each other all over the world. I have many friends who I've never met in person. So I want to make sure that their stories are also being represented in the news. That's amazing. Um, and I mean, You just, you touched on inherent bias. And also what I'm hearing from both of you is like you've done and and continue to do the hard work for the rest of us. So whether it's cultivating the news, it's consumer products, um, you you both have like really done the hard work and continue to do the hard work. Um, So the rest of us need to step in and actually um, like, educate ourselves um, because of what the work that you've done. I'm just like, it's amazing um, what you are doing and continue to do to really help all of us um, be better. um, And so that we can make positive choices that impact the world. We do have to take one last short break. um, And then when we come back, we'll get some final reflection from our from our guest today. So stay with me, Amy Muirs on the power of young people to change the world. And remember, you can follow us on social media at nylc.org or find us at nylc.org. We'll be right back. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. 
For nearly 40 years, the Minnesota-based National Youth Leadership Council has worked globally to transform classrooms, empower teachers, and captivate students by leading the way in providing high-quality, dynamic service learning content to school districts, classrooms, after-school programs, and everything in between. NYLC accelerates student achievement by strengthening academic, civic, and character outcomes through service learning. They tap into the passion, creativity, and ingenuity of all young people to make meaningful change happen. NYLC offers a variety of paths to reach service learning excellence through membership, its annual spring national service learning conference, customized professional development, tools, resources, and soon to be released, Getting Started in Service Learning, a book designed for teachers ready to lead the way to address real-world issues with all young people, inspiring them to serve, learn, change the world. Visit nylc.org to learn more today. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com listening to the power of young people to change the world with Amy Muirs. To find out more about Amy and the National Youth Leadership Council, please visit nylc.org. Now back to the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Um, I have to say I, I could continue this conversation for a very long time, but we only have a few minutes left together. So I really want to get some reflections um, from each of you. And so, Alexandra, I think we'll just jump in with you. And um, you, you know, a Barron Prize winner, amazing work that you're doing to educate um, through your nonprofit. What do you want? Um, people to walk away with um, after the show? What should they remember? Um, I would say something that I really has really been, I've learned um, through my environmental activist work is that one emotion that blocks most of us from action is embarrassment. Mm-hmm. Um, I found that no matter where we're coming from, whatever we identify as, a lot of the times embarrassment is an emotion that really stops us from taking action. Um, And one thing that I would definitely say I've learned um, and reflected a lot on is trying to consciously decide like when to not be embarrassed, trying to proactively think of situations where I might, be afraid, might um, not be confident about what I'm talking about, what I'm um, asking about, what I'm trying to um, teach others about. It's really something that even if you don't feel confident, like trying to consciously not be embarrassed is a way to take action, to focus on the change, to focus on the impact that we're having um, and to really just, I would say, reflect on how you are able to create that change um, without embarrassment and without, um, without letting not being confident stop you. Um, so I'd say that would probably be my biggest takeaway. <laughs> 
I love that advice. And I think, yeah, that is advice that we can all learn and live um, because yeah, em- embarrassment holds us back a lot, not feeling that confidence. That's amazing advice. Um, Olivia, how about you? What advice would you give, um, especially to young people who have this idea, this passion like you did for writing um, that could bring about change? What advice would you give them? I mean, the advice I would really give to any person, specifically young people who want to make a difference and are holding themselves back for some reason, maybe it's embarrassment, like Alexander said, or for me, it was my social anxiety, whatever it happens to be, is really find the thing you're passionate about, like the thing that you would do in your free time anyway, because you love it so much and try to think about how you can apply it to an issue that you care about. I'm a really big advocate for using your passion and your hobbies to try to make a difference in the world because no one is exempt from for making the world a better place. It's something we're all capable of. If you're someone who's really outgoing, it's easy to go around and, and say hi to someone or invite them to come hang out sometime. And that could really make a big difference for them. If you love the beach, you could, and you're on a sports team, you could go to the beach and organize like a beach cleanup with your sports team. Um, so I found that people, and then in my case, I, um, I loved writing. So I was able to use my love of writing to help educate people um, so that they have the tools and information they needed to make a difference. So I found that, Really, everyone, when they think about it, has something they really care about, an issue they care about that they wish they could try to make a difference in. And then they have something that they like really love doing in their everyday lives that they can apply to that issue in some kind of way to make a difference. And, and no difference is too small. And everyone is capable of making a difference, especially in this era, like Barbara Ann mentioned before, where we have technology that can amplify our voices around the world, which is really just such an incredible thing. So I'd say that's my biggest piece of advice. Beautiful advice as well. I love what you said. No one is exempt from making the world a better place. Um, Couldn't agree (laughs) anymore. Like that's absolutely, we all have, um, have the, both the privilege and the, the duty to make the world a better place. Um, Barbara Ann, I would love your reflections on today's show. Two amazing um, young heroes. Um, how how is um, how are you going to continue to lift up the power of young people and and just kind of your reflections from today? Sure, Amy. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, I, I sat here for this lovely hour and. Um, uh, I, I feel like I, I, I know Alexandra and Olivia's work um, quite well, um, since they are among our, our newest honorees or, or young heroes. But um, I was so struck, uh, not just by by what they do, but but how they're doing it. And, um, you know, they come at it from different passions, Alexandra's being more of a science and, and health um, data, you know, type of project, <laughs> whereas Olivia comes at it from from both the writing angle and and her interest in politics. Um, But I was so struck listening to both of them um, about just how very much courage they have both poured into and and been willing to um, pour into and into their work, the the personal growth they've been willing to do and their willingness to, to talk openly about that the perseverance that it takes um, to do this work day after day um, the, and the hard work, you mentioned that too, Amy, that, uh, you know, whether it's, it's in the wee hours of the morning, like Olivia alone at a computer or, or the hard work of 
being out there in the world when you might not want to be or, or not be quite comfortable with that yet. Um, being willing to step outside your comfort zone, knowing that that's what it takes to promote your work and spread the word of it and bring more people into your cause so that um, you can have a greater and more powerful impact. Um, and uh, and really, it, it is those those qualities at the end of the day that the, the Barron Prize most stands for. Um, we are blown away by the work these young people are doing. We love giving a cash award to support it, whether that means the project itself or, or the young person's education. But, uh, but at the end of the day, um, and this harkens back to Gloria Barron, our inspiration, we are most about honoring and celebrating and encouraging um, young people and all of us really to, to dig deep and to work hard and to tap the qualities that we believe we're, we're all um, harboring inside, some of us quietly, some of us um, have had a little more experience putting them out in the world, but either way, um, we really can and um, arguably should all tap our own passions, tap our talents, tap our interests and figure out how we can put those out in the world to change the world and, and really make a powerful difference. Beautifully said. I just want to thank each of you for sharing your passion with us today. Um, thank you for making the impact you're making in your communities and on the world. Barbara Ann, thank you for all that you're doing to support young people. Um, I love the work of the Baron Prize, and we appreciate your partnership and friendship. Um, if you want to learn more about celebrating these young heroes, visit BaronPrize.org, or you can always email me at info, info at nylc.org, and I'll make sure to get you connected with them. Um, as many of you know, this weekend, Saturday, November 20th, we're celebrating World Children's Day. So across the world, different buildings, monuments, bridges were going to be lit up um, in blue in honor of our, honor of our world's children. Um, NYLC is a proud sponsor and par partner of the national initiative run by UNICEF USA to increase the number of American cities who support child rights, the Child Friendly Cities Initiative. Um, so the city of Minneapolis, Minnesota, which is our home state, is one of the five cities in the country who is embarking on this ambitious two-year plan to earn this designation. I encourage you all to visit our website, learn more, and advocate for your city to join us, ensuring that every child grows up in an environment where they feel safe and secure, have access to basic services and clean air and water, can play, learn, and grow, and where their voices are not only heard, but they matter, that they have a seat at the table. To our listeners, thank you for joining us today. If you missed the start of today's show or would like to access prior shows, visit our homepage on Voice America Empowerment Radio or download our podcast from iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, any of those fun places. Next week, um, holiday break, rebroadcast, but we'll be back with more Gloria Barron Prize Young Heroes um, the following week. So save the date for Thursday, 6 o'clock Eastern. And until next time, join us as we serve, learn, change the world. Thank you for tuning in this week to The Power of Young People to Change the World. 
Your host, Amy Muirs, will return for another program next Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Together, we'll serve, learn, change the world. 